Amen. Thank you, Pastor Ricky. Thank you, praise team. I tell you, brother, it's been a joy serving with you this past year. Uh, let me begin by, by, well, first, let me begin by what's most important. If you'll take your copy of God's Word and turn with, with me to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, begin reading in verse 1 in just a moment. Now let me also say, it has, um, it has been a joy to serve you this past year. Uh, Pastor Jamie and I are extremely excited about the next pastor who's coming. Uh, we, uh, I'll just say, Pastor Chad, I've mentioned it before. Uh, when we first moved back to New Orleans, Pastor Chad was my pastor then. And uh, God called him away, but now he's called him back here. And we could not be more excited to have uh, Chad back in this city pastoring this particular church. And I can only say that, uh, that there's probably really nobody else that I could think of who I would want to be my pastor. I love Chad and his family extremely. And I just, I love them dearly. And we are so grateful. We're so glad that they're coming back to this city. Uh, I'll ask you to be praying for them as they continue to transition. They're here. They're in the city, but have a lot, uh, a lot to do this next week. And, uh, but I know that you're looking forward to having Chad with you next Sunday morning. Jamie and I have been thrilled to serve you as a church. I can tell you that, um, that we both have said time and time again, this is a church that has so much potential. Not that you haven't seen it, not that you haven't realized it. We're just saying that we can see that God has been steering and directing, and we are confident that God is going to do something even greater at and in and through First Baptist New Orleans. I know that this is a church that has on really the heartbeat of this church is, is to reach the, the neighborhoods of New Orleans, reaching out to the nations for the glory of Christ. And we're excited that Chad's going to be coming and leading us. What I'd ask for you to do is just to be praying about how you can support him over the years to come. How we, how I myself, I'm in a sense, I'm laying down my, my title as interim pastor and, and I'm looking to him as my, as my shepherd now, as my under shepherd. And, and now we, I can't place all my faith in Chad, even though I have a lot of faith in him, but, but I know that God is going to use him and glorify himself through Chad and through us. So be praying. Be praying that God would give Chad wisdom. Be praying that God would give Chad wisdom and, and, and knowing in the direction that Chad could help us as a church see God's will for us and that we'll ultimately live our lives for the glory of God. I love you, First Baptist, and it has been, indeed, has been a joy. Romans chapter 12, begin reading in verse 1 in just a moment. 2020 has been a hard year, hasn't it? Amen. <laughs> I got one person degrees with me. I, I, I know that's an understatement. 2020 has been, in some ways, probably for many of us, one of the toughest years we've ever experienced. Now, I know there's been moments in our lives where, where each one of us have dealt with loss and sickness and so many things. And, and so we have, we have moments in our life where we can go back and see where, where it was really difficult in life. But, but ultimately, if you think about just, I mean, as far as our nation, really for the globe, if there's been a year that just has impacted us all in so many various ways, it's been this year. 2020 has been difficult. 2020, in a lot of ways, has tested our faith. 2020, in a lot of ways, has tested our endurance. 2020, in a lot of ways, really has, has tested our dedication. Our dedication to the Lord, our dedication to each other, our dedication to the church, 2020 has been a year that has been troublesome and, and really has, has just taxed us all in so many ways. 
Pastor Ricky touched on a moment ago, I've got some news to share with you. I'm not sure if it's good or bad. I don't know what 2021 holds. And, and, I, and I don't know that it's going to get any better anytime real soon. We praise God that, that we have this vaccine that's coming. And we, but look, I can't place all my faith in a vaccine. There, there's so many things that are happening that we give God glory for. But hear me, church, the reality is we don't know what 2021 holds. We don't know what this next year will have for us. And it, and it might be, it might be, not maybe as a whole, but even for us as individuals, it might be that 2021 is an even more difficult year than this one. You say, wow, pastor, thanks for the encouragement. Hear me. <clears throat> what we must do as God's people is to commit ourselves to commit ourselves to living for the glory of, of the Lord and, and, and just, just being determined that we will remain dedicated for him and his glory, whatever comes our way. Whatever happens, whatever, whatever the circumstances might be, that, that we as God's people will unite together and remain dedicated to the glory of the Lord. What is dedication? Well, literally the word dedication means to be devoted. Now, we know what devoted means. A lot of us are devoted, obviously, to our families. We're devoted to our churches. We're devoted to things like sports teams. Now, I know that sometimes our, our dedication might wane a little bit. We might remain dedicated to our teams, maybe not so much as coaches. I'm an Auburn grad. An Auburn grad. You, you know, I think about this year when, when my Auburn Tigers whipped your LSU Tigers. Sorry. Low blow, right? The one thing I know about LSU fans is you remain what? Dedicated to your team. We know what dedication is in the good times and in the bad. We know what dedication is, but the question is, how dedicated do we remain? How dedicated we will be today, how dedicated we will be tomorrow, and most importantly, the real question is, is how dedicated to the Lord will we be, regardless of what tomorrow holds? I invite you to look at Romans chapter 12, and we'll see kind of a transition in the book. I know before we started our Christmas series, Pastor Jamie and I were walking through the book of Romans. Didn't have a whole lot of time, so we, we only made it not even, I guess, not even halfway, really about halfway through the book. And but, but I wanted to, to bring us back to Romans chapter 12 because Romans chapter 12 is really a turning point. This will be our last sermon officially in the book of Romans. But I wanted to bring us back today because, because it fits exactly what we're facing at this very moment in our lives, individually and as corporately as, as the body of Christ. These difficulties around us, but we know that God is sovereign and He's control and he's pushing us forward to do one thing, and that's to remain dedicated to him. And Paul brings us to this transition in the book, Romans chapter 12, begin reading in verse 1. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing and perfect will of God. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I ask that as we dig into your word this morning, that Lord, you would indeed enlighten our minds. Lord, open our eyes, soften our hearts to hear the truth of your word. 
that, Lord, we would be a people, that we would be a people who are truly dedicated to you. We'd be fully devoted. We'd give you our lives. We'd allow you to control and and, and move and steer our thoughts. And that, Lord, ultimately that we would be willing to do whatever it is you've called us to do, to go wherever it is you've called us to go, to say whatever it is you've called us to say, that, Lord, we would give you our lives as a sacrifice. That, Lord, ultimately, regardless of what tomorrow holds, that we know, we know that you will be glorified. And you've simply asked us to be dedicated to you. Lord, teach us now. I ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior, Lord. Amen. True Christian dedication can be seen really in two ways in this passage. Just begin by asking the question, what does true Christian dedication look like? How can we be certain that over this next year and the days ahead of us, as uncertain as they might be, that we can be a people who are truly dedicated to the Lord? Paul tells us right here. True Christian dedication really can be seen in in two aspects of, of of how we prove our dedication to him. The first one is this. Paul says, give your body to Christ. You want to know how you can prove your dedication to the Lord? Paul says, give your body to Christ. Look at it again in verse one. Therefore, brothers and sisters, I urge you in view of the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true worship. You see, Paul here begins this section of scripture with a therefore. Every church I've ever pastored, I kind of taught this little saying. You probably have heard it before. But every time you see a therefore in the scripture, you should ask what? What's it there for? It's, it's actually a key word. In the original language, there's a reason that this therefore is there. This therefore is there because it is the, again, the hinge of, of really of, of Paul describing all of this rich doctrinal theology in the first half of the book, a little more than half of the book. And then in Romans chapter 12, what he does is he kind of flips the switch and he moves from the theology to the practical aspects of our lives and ministry. And he says, okay, now that you see all of this truth, it should result in a change in how you live your life. What was the first half of the book? I'm not, don't have enough time to really review everything. But if you, if you walk through from the very beginning of this letter, you can be reminded of what Paul has taught us. In order to know how we should live our life today, in order to know how, how, we, how we live out practically, we've got to make sure that it's rooted in, in biblical theology. And so we're constantly reminded of these truths in the first half of the book of Romans. Paul has told us very clearly that all people are sinful. We all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Paul has told us that the wages of those sin is death. Because we have sinned, we deserve separation from God, even though he created us to have a relationship with him. We're created in his image We're created to have a relationship with him, but because of our sin, we're separated from him for all eternity is what we're deserving of. But God made a way for us to have a restored relationship with him through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. That then results in us having a new life. 
When we trust in Jesus Christ, we have a new life that is granted to us through our personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, that's just a very watered down summary of the first 11 chapters of Romans. There's a lot more there. There's a lot more there, but, that, but that's basically what, what Paul is getting at. He basically, he's saying this, look, guys, just remember the mercies of God. Re- remember how gracious God is. Remember why God created you. Remember why God saved you. Remember how he saved you. Remember, remember why, why he's called you into a relationship with him for his glory, for his purposes. Remember the goodness of God. And now do something about it. This therefore is that hinge. He says, I appeal to you, right? Look at it. I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Some translations say because of the mercies of God. Either one's right, but I I, I love that. I appeal to you because of the mercies of God, present your bodies to the Lord. Basically, Paul's saying because the Lord has been so gracious to you, because he has shown mercy to you, because he has revealed his ultimate love for you and the sacrifice of his son for your sins, because of his great mercy, you and I, we should give him our lives. Because he has been so gracious, he is deserving of our very bodies. Paul says that literally our bodies should be, should be holy. They should be set apart from this world. We are a people who actually live in this world, but yet we're not to be of this world. Because of the, graces, because of the grace and the mercies of God and, and all that he's done in our life, we should be a people who are willing this year, this moment, right now, who set ourselves apart and say, I'm going to look different. I'm going to speak different. I'm going to act differently. So we set ourselves aside. We set ourselves apart for the glory of God. But why? Why should we give our bodies to the Lord? You notice there what Paul says? This is your spiritual worship. Some translations say that this is your reasonable act of worship. Very literally, what Paul says is that it's logical. Because of God's goodness, because of his grace, because of his mercy, because of his choosing you, because of him setting you aside, because of, his, because of the way he works in your life and, and, has, and, is, and is using you and, and has a desire to have a, an intimate and deep relationship with you, because of all this, it's just logical to understand. Now that we belong to God, we should just logically know that our lives should be set apart. And this church, this is our spiritual act of worship. You know, through the years, churches have had these, what we call sometimes worship wars. Now, usually I understand it's all about the style of music. I'm, I'm not getting into that today. I think God cares more about our hearts than he cares about the tune. But the tune The songs that we sing help us to align our hearts with God. And so as we do this, Paul's saying, look, you you and I, we're just just to be a people who, understanding God's grace, we're just determined that regardless of what's happening around us, that that this day, this moment, right now, tomorrow and the next and the next and the next, that that I'm just going to give him my life. It's just logical, church, to, to commit yourself to him wholeheartedly. Think of it this way. Before we trusted in Christ, we used our bodies 
for, for sinful pleasures and purposes. But now that we belong to him, now, now that we realize that, that our lives actually sit in the palm of God's hand, now that we know that we belong to him, we should desire to use our bodies. Literally, Paul's saying we should desire to use our lives for the glory of God and him alone. Paul tells us very clearly in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you'll see it on the screen. Don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God? Listen to what he says next, church. You are not your own. You don't belong to yourself. It, guess what, church? It's, it's not about you. It's not about me. We don't belong to ourselves. You are not your own, for you were bought at a price through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. You were bought at a price. So, what does Paul say? Glorify God with your body. Because we are a temple of God, because when we trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes and dwells in us. We know that right now, just the logical thing to do this next year, church, regardless of the circumstances, regardless of how hard it gets, we know that God has called us just to be a people who are set apart, living in this world, yet not of this world, all for the glory of God. I challenge you. Paul challenges you. The scriptures challenge us today to be a people who set our lives apart so that we can simply bring glory to God. The Christian's body is the Lord's temple because the Spirit of God dwells in us. We should understand that it's our privilege to glorify and magnify Christ through these vessels through our praises, all of our loves, it's our privilege to give back to God. Paul doesn't end there. What he says next is, not only should you give your body to Christ, but secondly, you should give your mind to Christ. You should give your mind to Christ. Now understand here, really, you can't separate the two. Paul really doesn't. I'm, I know I'm making two points here, but the two points really come together. What Paul is getting at when he says, give your body and give your mind, let your mind be transformed. What he's saying here is just give your whole self, your actions, your thoughts, your deeds, your, your, your words, every, every aspect of your life. Give yourself completely and wholeheartedly to God. The Bible teaches that we should, should not be conformed to this world. Look at it. Look at verse 2 again. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is the good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. What Paul's saying is if we're truly saved, then, then we should no longer look like or act like the world. Now, let's be honest. This is a struggle. There's times, and even Paul acknowledges in the book of Romans that you know, sometimes our flesh rears its ugly head. Sometimes we do the very things that we don't want to do. We know we shouldn't do. So there, there's that constant battle. I understand that. But Paul would simply say, remember, 
You're not going to be perfect. You're going to continue to struggle. But remember the mercies and the goodness and the grace of God in the first half of the book. Remember why God saved you. Remember what he desires to do with you. Remember all that he has done. And as a result, give him your bodies and, and let him continue to transform your minds. Rather than being conformed to the image of the world, we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. This word for transformed, I don't always do this, but it, 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 it's metamorpho in the original language. It's obviously where we get our word for what? Metamorphosis. You think about, you think about the metamorphosis of a butterfly. Caterpillar goes into its cocoon, creates that cocoon. And literally there is a change, not a change from without, but literally if you study it, there's a change that happens from within. I mean, even the, the, the makeup of that caterpillar completely changes and, and is changed from the inside out. It's a beautiful picture of, of what God does in us. This is a, and again, I always do this, but it's a, it's a passive imperative here in the language. When Paul says, be transformed, what he's saying in that passive, that passive imperative, it's, there's kind of, it's a double-edged sword. The passive aspect is this, that that what's happening, the change, is not something that we do ourselves. Yet at the same time, because it's a command, he's saying, yet you're still responsible for it in some degree, to some degree. Now get this. The change happens from within whenever we trust Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. He is the one who changes through the power of the Holy Spirit in us and dwelling in us. He is the one, remember he just said, our lives are a temple of the Lord because the Holy Spirit is living in us. And so as a result, it is God himself who changes. We, we can't take credit for any of the work that God has done in our lives. But there's still the imperative there's still this aspect where you and I are responsible for allowing God to continue to transform us. He's the one who comes in. He's the one who dwells in us. He's the one who makes us into a new creation. Yet at the same time, we have to willfully every day decide, God, continue to change me. Continue to help me look more like Jesus today than I did yesterday. You see, the world is constantly putting pressure from without. The world is constantly leaning in on us as believers and is wanting to conform us. But I've got good news. There's a greater power that dwells in us who is transforming us from the inside and helping us to look different on the outside. Now hear me, you, that, that power is not your power to some degree. The power belongs to God. But the very God who spoke the world into existence the very God who creates all things, who sustains all things, who is, who is still holding the palm of the earth, the world in the palm of his hand. That very God is dwelling in you if you've trusted in Jesus Christ. And that very God who has the power to speak worlds into existence, that power is living in you. And it's a power that wants to change you. We just sang about that, didn't we? The love of God wouldn't let us stay the same. The love of God wanted to change us. And look, he, he loves us so much that not only does he save us, but he wants us to look different. And he's continuously, each and every day, helping us to look more and more like Jesus than we did the day before. 
When we allow the world to control our thinking, when we allow the world to control our thoughts, we become conformers. But each and every day that we allow God to have his way in us, we are transformers because he's changing us. It's a beautiful picture in the scripture. When you and I trust in Jesus Christ, at that very moment, the Bible tells us we become new creations. At that moment, we have all that we need. But because the Holy Spirit is in us, and because we're still living in this battle between flesh and what's holy and righteous with the Lord, that power is constantly transforming us, if we allow Him. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, you'll see Paul really, again, brings clarification to this. It says, we all with unveiled faces are looking as in a mirror at the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory. This is from the Lord who is the Spirit. As believers, we should be transforming our lives should look different each and every day. And what Paul says in 2 Corinthians is that as we're being transformed, we are, are created more into the image of Christ. That our lives reflect the glory of Jesus. So here's a question. Why then should we be transformed? Notice what he says there next in the passage. You should be transformed so that you may discern what is the will of God. I know that right now there are many in this room. Every time we come to a new year, we begin to reflect, don't we? We think about what's happened in the past, and this year we really do. But we also want to look towards the future. That's the hope of a new year. And, and we begin to, to ask questions and say things like this. I, just, I, wish, I wish I knew God's will for my life. I wish that I could discern God's will for me. I got some good news for you. Literally, the word here for discern simply means to put to proof. There are many in this world who think that when we talk about discerning God's will, that the concept is we have to discover God's will for our life. That's not what Scripture teaches us. Paul says, look, as you're being transformed... You will be able to discern, you will, listen, you will be able to put to proof what is God's will for your life. You want to know what God's will for your life is? I've got good news. I know what it is for every one of you. I know exactly what God's will is for every one of you. If you've never trusted in Jesus, his will is for you to place his faith in him. If you have trusted in Jesus, God's primary will for us is that every one of our lives, every one of our lives would be more transformed each day to look like Christ. Now, there are aspects of God's particular will. We want to know, okay, so what does that mean then? Who will I marry? What job will I have? Where will I move? We, we, we want to ask these particular questions of God's will. But, but look, let me just say it this way. Have you, have you ever thought that, that God may not be so worried about revealing every detail of your life as he is about you looking like him each and every day. I mean, we, we know what God's will is ultimately. It's that his people will look like him 
in all situations, in all trying times, that each and every day will look more and more like Jesus. But I want to know God's will for my life. Start there. Start there. Because he clearly says, this is my will. I can help you discern it. I can help you put it to proof. Look more like Jesus each and every day. And as we do that, I do believe that God will begin to continue to to make his name great in and through us. And who knows? He very well, we trust him, he's sovereign. He very well might even reveal to us what some of his particular will is. But his primary will is that we live for the glory of the Lord. He goes on to say, Paul says, that his will for us is to prove, to prove this by being transformed, right? And then it says, because this is good, this is good, it's profitable to him, it's acceptable, and it's perfect. It's wanting in nothing. Keep your hands there. Uh, you'll sit on the screen. Paul gives us some more clarity. In Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, listen to what the word says. We'll draw to a close. In Ephesians 5, begin reading in verse 6. You'll see it on the screen as well. Let no one deceive you with empty arguments, for God's wrath is coming on the disobedient because of these things. Therefore, do not become their partners. Do not become partners with those who are deceivers in the world. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists of all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Listen, testing what is pleasing to the Lord. Don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. For, in, for it is shameful even to mention what is done by them in secret. Everything exposed by the light is made visible. For what makes everything visible is light. Therefore it is said, get up, sleeper, and rise up from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Now listen closely. In fact, Paul says, pay careful attention. Pay careful attention then to how you live not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of the time because the days are evil. Listen to verse 17. So don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Okay, Paul, tell us, what is God's will? He just said, live as people of the light. Live as children of God. Live as people who understand they've been bought with a beautiful price, for a beautiful price, an expensive price. The, the, the very blood of the Son of God was required so that you and I could have a relationship with the Holy God. Remember that. And then as a result, church, commit yourself. Give your bodies to him. Give your life to him. Give your minds to him. Let him transform you. Let him continue to mold and shape you each and every day. Each and every day, live for the glory of the Lord. And watch what he'll do. As as we close out this difficult year and begin a new one, We have to ask ourselves, are we truly dedicated to the Lord? Are we truly devoted and committed to him like we are to our favorite football team? Are we we willing to go and do and say and act all the ways that we know brings glory to God? 
Are we willing to do that? Are we going to be fully devoted to him? Are we going to give him our lives? Are we going to let him continue to transform our thoughts? Are we going to reveal to others what God's will is for our life? That we reflect the glory of Christ. Church, I know this has been a hard year. I know that we're not sure what tomorrow holds. But we know the God who holds it. We know the God who's sovereign and control over all things. And as big and as grand and as great as God is, there was a point in time when he looked at each one of you individually. And he said, you're mine. You're mine. You're mine. You're mine. You're mine. Now that you are mine, you belong to me. So, live your life by reflecting the light and the glory of Christ. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got enough worries of its own. Live for my glory. Let me handle it. Let me take care of it. You live for me. And watch what I'll do. Not to bring glory to you, not to bring glory to me, not to make our names known, but as we humble ourselves before Almighty God, we'll see God build his kingdom, even in and through us, for his glory and his alone. 2021, come on. We're ready for you. Because all we're going to do at First Baptist New Orleans is be a people who are dedicated for the glory of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your love, your mercy, and your grace. Lord, I ask right now, if there's anyone here this morning who's never trusted in you, that, Lord, they would understand that could only come through placing their faith through Jesus Christ. Lord, that they can find purpose in their life. They can find what your will is for them. That, Lord, they can surrender to you fully. Trust in Jesus Christ and find forgiveness and freedom for their sins. But, Lord, I also pray for the church right now. Lord, especially this church here, the, this body, First Baptist New Orleans. That, Lord, you would would help us to be a people this year, Lord, who place our faith in you alone. Lord, we, we give you praise for bringing us a pastor. We give you praise for the work that you've already done and you continue to do in First Baptist New Orleans. But Lord, we keep our focus on you. Lord, we dedicate ourselves to you. We honor our leadership. We love and respect them. We encourage them. We lift them up. Lord, ultimately, we keep our focus on you and you alone. Lord, I pray that you would help us to be a people who are fully dedicated to live our lives in such a way that we reflect your glory. Lord, I ask that as we enter into this next year, that you would lead us and guide us. You would guide our conversations. You would guide our lives. Lord, we pray that you would work out the details of your particular will in our lives, whatever that might look like. But through it all, Lord, through it all, that we would be more like Jesus. And all that we think and all that we say and all that we do, Lord, may it be so. 
We ask for your strength. We ask for your guidance. We ask for your direction. And we ask that in the end, Lord Jesus, you would be pleased and glorified with us. Lord, we love you. We trust you. We ask this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord.